Hello everyone and welcome to the 2019 Grand Final edition of Refs Roundup. It's great to be back in the studio to chat about the weekend games and what's been happening in the world of refereeing. A very lovely welcome to my favourite NRL referee and my favourite husband, Gavin Badger. I didn't think I'd get that today with um, the special guests that we have in the room tonight. I thought that you may well just brush me all together and I'm surprised I'm here actually. Yeah, well, I was, uh, I was weighing it up because I've got four other people to have, to have picked from today. Uh, we're lucky enough to have our four grand final officials in studio with us today. Um, they've just been come from Rugby League Central where they've been announced at a media conference as the officials for the Roosters and Canberra game on the weekend. We've got Ben Cummins as the head referee, Jerry Sutton as the assist referee, Nick Beeshaw and Chris Butler on the touch lines. Hello, guys. Okay, so much. Thanks for having us. Uh, thanks for coming in. We really do appreciate it. Um, we've got a bunch of questions to get through today. We'll um, ask a couple off the top, and then we had our listeners write in um, a lot of questions during the week for you all. So um, we've got plenty to get through. But we'll start with each of you. Just have a bit of a chat around um, what the appointment means to you and around what are you, were your highs and lows of season 2019. Benny, we'll start with you, mate. Oh, it means uh, it means a lot. Uh, it's something we've worked worked towards for a long uh, time, and and you know, obviously throughout the year. And um, you know, I just can't wait to get out there, and I'm excited to be to be part of it with the with the boys. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to it. You know, throughout the season you have your lows and your highs, but uh, at the moment it's a, a big buzz, and yeah, yeah, very much a high. And um, what about getting through the grind of the season, Benny? So. It's um, always exciting to get to this end of the end of the year, and especially to be there on Grand Final day. But how do you get through that grind of the season to put yourself in the position to be appointed on the weekend? I uh, just got to break it down. I, I keep it pretty simple, week to week, uh, and just try and be excited for each game coming forward. Like you know, you do have your periods where it is a, a grind. But you just got to work through it and know you're putting in the work and and um, hopefully it pays off, which it has, yeah. Yeah. Have you found that there's anything this year that... Um, did you change anything this year? Because you've been around for a long time, your second highest capped um, official that we have in the, in the game. We spoke to you earlier in the year ahead of your um, 350th NRL appointment, um, which is amazing. Is there anything that you have changed this year or do you just put it down to just, um, just experience and uh, consistency each week to get you to this point on Grand Final Day? Yeah, I think consistency is a big thing, but I think it's just come a lot more relaxed this year about my refereeing. So uh, I think some years you feel like you've got something to lose, yeah. um, you know, if you have a poor performance. But I sort of changed my mindset and uh, I said, oh, I've got nothing to lose here. I'm just going to go out and enjoy it. And uh, I think it's pretty, it's as simple as that. And yeah. uh, just backing yourself. So uh, if you have confidence in, in what you can do and take that onto the field, it, uh, it Engine better decision making, and then you know, therefore results at the back end of the season. Yeah, fantastic. Look, there's some rumours going around that the only reason he is just, has been as good as he has this year is because he spent a lot of time with Ziggy. Lots of rumours yeah. that Ziggy's thrown what? around that they've been joined at the hip for most of the year, and what and that he had to referee well to compensate <laughs> to for Zig, yeah, or maybe. that Zig got him there. Maybe, but that, that, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to be one to, to to put that out there. Although I just did, but. Um, Ziggy is sort of jumping around saying that he's going to take some credit for this this grand final. Can I say something about that too? In all seriousness, Zig is a referee that I feel very comfortable being with, and that's another. It's remiss of me to, to not to say, but I think you know, with your teams and who you run with, if you're comfortable in you know, and personality is a big thing. Uh, and Zig was was there. You know, was Belinda Slimmer was another uh, Belinda 
Sharp was another person that uh, you know I was very comfortable running with, and I think that contributes. I think you know it's not just about me; it's about the people it you're with and mm. how they make you feel when you go onto the field. It, it makes a big difference, doesn't it? And and we talk about that as, as a squad that yeah, you guys are running out there on the weekend and you're representing all of us because throughout the season, virtually everyone in the squad has had some some impact on you know on, on the way you've performed all year because you go out there for, as a team, and if everyone's not on their game. You know, it, it could affect your performance, and it could yep. affect your position at the end of the year as well. So it is a big thing that you, you know, you got to really appreciate the guys that help you throughout the season because the game doesn't, you, you, you know, it doesn't get done and or done well without you know the, the support of the whole team. Yeah. yeah. So Jerry, um, you would have run with these three other guys um, quite often um, over the last couple of years, so you'd know a, a lot about that, about being um, comfortable with a certain group of people and how that can help you get to this end of the end of the season. Um, for yourself, um, you know, excited for the weekend. Um, can you talk a bit about the same thing, the grind of the season, your highs and your lows, and how you got yourself to this point on the weekend? Yeah, I think what Benny said earlier about really breaking it down is is key. 25 weeks is a long time. And in reality, it's a lot more than 25 weeks because we start back in November. So it's almost a, 12, a complete 12-month journey. Um, and, you know, you, you look at teams during the course of a season, they, they have ebbs and flows in, in performance and stuff as well. And um, you're going to get confronted with some games that are really difficult to, to look good in. Uh, at different stages um, and, and you hope that, you, that that doesn't happen towards the back end but but if, if you're an official at this level it's going to happen to you at, at some point and I think it's just about um, as Benny said continuing to, to revisit what you're good at and what's the cornerstones of your game and if you know that and you, you keep building upon those um, and hold true to that through the, the course of a year um, I think generally um, that's what holds you in good stead and, and that's what becomes the foundation of performances that hopefully put you in a position to be part of big games. Yeah, and um, do you find it, it does help running with people that you're, um, you're close with or that you, you can even run consistently with? Um, what's the difference between running with people consistently compared to when we break up our pairings and touch judges and stuff like that week in, week out? Yeah, t team dynamic is massive. Um, there's no doubt about that, and and you're right. I've had the the fortune of running with Benny in a lot of bigger games and through final series. Um, we've alternated in roles at different different times. Um, I did my first state of origin with Benny, and then I think we were the first pairing to go through a complete series the next year after that together. So there's a a lot of confidence that you draw from that when you come into a group that maybe you haven't worked with as much. I think it's just about. Um, the, the things that are almost assumed knowledge when you have that working relationship, it's just about ticking those off and understanding your processes and going and, and building that understanding of this is the way I do this in this scenario, particularly around like transitions and stuff with two referees on the field and those little idiosyncrasies that, that everyone has but maybe just aren't at the forefront of your mind all the time. Um, but certainly going into this weekend, and knowing Bush and Bucky as well as we do and the way they deliver information uh, and nothing's lost in translation, I guess. You know when they're talking about the 10 metres in a certain way, you know exactly what it is they're trying to convey to you. And so um, you, never, you never just assume that it's going to happen because you've worked together before, but you just start from a much easier point, I think, going into a game like this. 
Yeah. Yeah, and you come sort of off the back of a, a fairly unique situation last week where, you know, kick off of the game, big game, and you've got to jump straight into a game where, you, you know, as, as officials, we sort of like to sit back and, and, and see how the game goes and sort of ease our way into it. But you sort of had to jump into a, a fairly high-profile situation straight away where you put two plays in the bin off the first tackle of the game. How does that affect your approach, um, you know, knowing that, you know, it, it's a big game um, and expectations are that the players decide the game where they have, in, in fact, decided here and then you have to jump in early. Does it change your mindset on how you're going to referee the next 10, 15, 20 minutes? Or, you know, do you just go up with the same approach and say, well, we're just going to dig in here? Yeah, it was pretty unique. Uh, because we had that so before we had to play the ball we've got a penalty and two guys in the bin um, and then I think we had five penalties within the first eight minutes Beesh, yeah. and then they yeah. were for high tackle into high tackle into something else that we couldn't do anything about so you know that in that environment in that setting uh, there's an expectation that people want it to be a spectacle um, so we had to strive really hard to try and develop some continuity to try and facilitate play and balance that against the fact that well if a team is still challenging on 10 metres that one team isn't gaining an unfair advantage over the other team you can't let that desire to get some football happening just give a team free reign to do whatever they want in in the ruck or on the 10 metres so um, yeah it, it was it was tough it was a bit, bit unusual um, I think we did a decent job of holding our line and still trying to to facilitate some football and fortunately we got a period of that in the second half. Well, the reason I bring that up is because I think that's a big part of what you do and what you do well to put yourself in positions to get games like you get this weekend. The fact that it, a lot of it comes back to experience and you've had experience in big games, but you get those experiences because of the ability to control those situations and, and keep your calmness and, you know, and, and, and still know that we still got to get some footy here, you know. I mean, I think that that's a big reason why you you get the opportunity to referee this weekend. Yeah. Oh, look. I think as Benny said before, I also very fortunate. I have Beesh, who's is incredibly experienced. Um, Belinda Sharp on the touchline, who's really gone to another level this year, and Adam G as the assist ref, and and really their contribution around that lessened a lot of the stress for me because obviously you go into a game like that with your own personal aspirations of what you're hoping to progress to as well and the game's not unfolding in the perfect fashion that you'd, you'd love it to be just end to end but those guys do a really good job of recognising the situation and and as a team uh, working through it it's, it's not something you do on your own um, Bucky we'll bring you in you got to run with uh, Benny on Friday night in Canberra um, that would have been an amazing experience. Uh, we all saw the extra seating being brought in, quite unusual. Um, the first, uh, what was it, the first... It's the first ever uh, grand final qualifier yeah, in Canberra. Yeah, sorry, yeah, even, Canberra. even back when they had those great teams, you know, they had to you know, play through other, other areas to get that. It's the first time they've had one down yeah, there. Yeah, so I'm, I'm sure that was a, a great experience and one of the highs for you this season. But you've had a bit of a, a mixed season this year. Some highs and lows that you want to talk through and how you got through season 2019 to put yourself in a position to, to back up and get to the grand final um, you know, this year again. Uh, yeah, it was a, an amazing experience. We made sure we sort of got into the tunnel there so we could watch out and watch the clap and sort of soak up some of that atmosphere before we went out there. Um, so there are opportunities that are few and far between. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, like Jerry said, every season has highs and lows. And um, 
obviously I had a game at Bank West where we had a bit of controversy around there and um, spent some time in reserve grade. So that was actually a nice sort of time to go back up to Queensland Cup. Um, referee game up there where the, you haven't got all the pressure of all the cameras and NRL and just go back and referee footy. Um, I actually really enjoyed it going back up there and doing what I was doing a few years ago. So um, that gave you a bit of perspective about um, what you're doing week to week. Um, like Benny said, I've sort of changed my mindset this year where previous years you sort of try and you can try too hard to do things or force your position or you think you should be doing something that you're not or you're trying to get somewhere quicker than you might actually should be getting there. Um, so I sort of just put that to the side this year and just went out and refereed and tried to have fun each week with whatever team I was in and just tried to enjoy footy again. And it's, I think it's paid dividends this year. I think I've refereed a lot better this year and that obviously flows on then to your touch judging as well. Yeah. So, and, and you were appointed to um, Origin 1 and then Origin 2 as a touch judge. Um, and then unfortunately you had your calf injury. Um, how do you how do you mentally get past that and get yourself to a position where we all know the season goes so quick and especially after origin time it just feels like sometimes it can it can fly by and it can be hard to sort of you know all of us have aspirations in where we want to be each week or you know through to the end of the year how do you mentally get yourself um, to this place where you can um, you know, put yourself in a position to achieve what you have this year to get back from that sort of injury um, and still perform well yeah uh yeah obviously no one wants to get injured um unfortunately i've had a few calf issues over the years so i was familiar with the processes and what i had to do um we're very fortunate in our office at our strength and conditioning staff um our physios um michelle minichello was back there then and we'd been through a bit together um and like i said the snc boys maddie and Lockie and reese um they're very diligent in what they do to get us back on the field. So with their support, you know that they're going to give you the right process. And if you follow that and you're diligent with your rehab, your exercise and the stuff that you've got to do to fix that injury, um, that gives you the confidence that if I do the right things, that I'm going to be back as quick as possible. Um, and with the confidence that that injury will hold up yeah. to an NRL game, to, to going back and doubling up. And like they didn't throw me straight back into doubling up as well. Like It's a process that... The science behind it that I don't understand. I just do what they <laughs> tell me to do. Trust that process. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we're lucky in that sort of thing yeah. where we have facilities and people around us that help us to get back. Um, and really, it doesn't go into your head um, if you're doing all the right things. And I think the physios get sick of seeing me because I'm always in there <laughs> yeah. asking for massage or something. But um, like, of when I came back from my first injury, you sort of shy away from it because you think it's a bad perception um, always being in there. But it, they're there to, to do that and help you. So, yeah, um, there like, for a reason to yeah, get yourself right. Yeah, and yeah. to not do it is silly, really, because you you just create yourself more issues down the line. So, yeah. And rounding out a team from the weekend is one of our most experienced touch judges in the squad, in Nick Beetle. Um Nick, not your first uh, grand final. You've been been to this rodeo before. Um, what's the difference, or, or what's the excitement going into um, this grand final um, compared to to previous years? Doesn't mean it's any you know more or less than other years, but what's the particular excitement around this sort of game? I just think if you look at the quality of the competition this year, you know it's just been so open, and any team can win on any given day. And just to be part of the game and in any level 
uh, is a real privilege. And to be out there on Sunday with two excellent teams and with the team that we've got ourselves, um, you know, Bucky, Benny and Jerry, it's just a real honour. And really, we're only four representatives of a whole squad that got us here. So, you know, there could have been any other combination of the NRL referee squad out here on Sunday and we're lucky enough to be selected. And um, highs and lows as well, mate. You've, you know, you've um, worked yourself back, you, back into a position to compete for this sort of spot. Um, how do you get yourself as being an experienced official, an experienced touch judge, when you have had some low periods, how do you get yourself back to, the, to this position? How do you mentally get yourself up um, you know, to officiate in, in those lower games, um, lower, lower reserved grade games, um, you know, to, to now compete for a grand final? Well, you know, I've, for the first time in my career, I was demoted after round six uh, because of a decision. And the way I saw it was it's an opportunity for me to go back and mentor and help the guys in the lower squad because I know that my game is still strong. It's just one decision. Yeah. So I'm going to make it a good learning opportunity for them and I'm going to get back to my basics. And I think if you just stick to the basics and then you build off that, that's how you come up with a really good performance moving forward. All right. Well, we've got to, as we mentioned, there's a bunch of questions that we've got from our listeners. Unfortunately, Bucky, you've got to take off. But give, him, give him the first question before he goes. Let's give him something. Give him Make something. him answer something. All right. Let me ask you, because oh, I'm interested to actually see what he would pick here. Well, one of the questions we got asked was, if you could referee any other sport in the world... What would you pick? And I'm going to tip it's you got something to do. I was just going to say I'm going to tip it's a sport that doesn't have running involved. Yeah, definitely that. Um, <laughs> it'd be, uh, I think it'd be cool to umpire like an Ashes or something like that. Would be cool. Um, but you don't have the concentration to stand no. there. Yeah. There but you can't brother. stand there <laughs> bouncing your leg up and down for hours. I on think end. I'd distract the batters there, shaking my leg and fidgeting. <laughs> you are kidding. Plus, standing out the field felt like could create other issues. Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to go down that path. I reckon. I reckon. Uh, Horse racing steward, I think, would be down by. <laughs> I knew it. That's what I think. Steward, down by expertise line. in charge of the chickens. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could all pick that one pretty pretty easily. All right, mate. Congratulations. Um, thanks for coming in. We'll continue to chat with the rest of the boys, and we'll catch you tomorrow. Thanks for having us. See, See you guys. Mate. Bye. See you, mate. All right. Um, so one of the questions that we had, guys, um, was: Do you stay away from the media and the press stories in the lead up to the grand final, or any more than what you would, whatever you naturally would do? Because everyone's different in in how we approach, um, you know, media stories and whatnot week to week. But do you do anything different um, in the grand, lead up to the grand final compared to normal weeks? Yeah, I'd probably like to get Beach's opinion on this as a touch judge who generally don't have their names and stuff in the paper. Like Benny and Jerry, you know, <laughs> many occasions have been, you know, probably front and back pages at some stages. We've all been there as referees. But the, for, for you guys, you're probably a little bit out of sight, out of mind. There's the media and the way you know this week is portrayed in the media or whatever the pressure that gets put on do you, do you read it do you follow it do you are you a social media person uh, well, no i don't really follow it at all it's probably more the excitement for your family members because they're actually seeing your name and you're part of such a big event so you know for me i don't really look at uh, the news reports or anything like that uh, i use very little social media so i try and stay away from that uh, it's obviously different for the Benny and Jerry being in the middle because the spotlight is on them and ultimately they're the faces of this team uh, even though we're part of it uh, so for them it's 
certainly probably a lot more pressure. For me, I don't really notice or feel it as much. Uh, I try and treat it as close to another game as possible. Yeah. Uh, Benny, Jerry, anything different that you do um, this week in terms of that media uptake? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you're working well together already. No, no this team's going well. Uh, <laughs> oh, from February to October, I don't do social media because yeah. I just find there's more harm come from it than, than good um, for me personally. Um, and I, media generally, I probably tend to dip in and out a little bit during the year, um, depending on where I'm at personally. If I'm likely to be at the centre of something or then I'll just avoid it because it, it doesn't bring anything to me but look I, I'll also love the game mm. and when you see some of those pieces of vision put together with music and stuff going, I love looking at that stuff yeah. and and that you, you know, want to gets, consume that yeah it gets you really excited about what you're going into and an appreciation of what you've been part of and um, some of the you know colour pieces they do about past grand finals and mm. I, I love that stuff mm. um, but if I think it's likely to be taking a negative bent on officials then I'll try and give it a wide berth. Yeah. Any difference there, Benny? No, nah, I don't really consume it firsthand. I've got enough yeah, my daughters and uh, and friends that sort of let me know uh, <laughs> what's going on. What's going on, so I don't need to Well how you going? Yeah, going <laughs> and yeah, so it's it's best just not to yeah, yeah, you'll miss some positive stuff, but yep. it's the negative stuff that I do like to miss. Yeah, yeah. Um all right, next question. I'll ask each of you this. So if you had a blank check to knock down and rebuild the refs department, what's the first thing that you would do or the last thing that you would do? What would you want to change or add to um, to make refereeing a more attractive career option for people? So to try and get, I guess, more people involved and more people staying um, in refereeing. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I, like anything, I think, yeah, I'd, I'd like it to be better resourced. Uh, um, you know, some coaching, full-time coaching. Uh, we have coaches, but I think if you really want to cover everyone and, and really improve it, some, some, I, and I know there's not a limitless uh, pot of money there. But hey, the uh, question is blank check, mate. Blank check. Okay, there you go. Uh, yeah, so that that'd, yeah. be, that'd be it. And you know, I, I think um, sports psychology as well for yeah. referees uh, is a big thing for me personally. And we have someone on board, um, you know, as, as well as welfare. And I just think that's um, something that's been un underestimated or underutilised in previous years. So I think going forward, that would be something that I'd really look uh, to expand. Yeah. Yeah, a bit the same as Benny. For me, it's probably not about bricks and mortar or equipment, or that sort of thing, but investing in, in people. Um, I'd love it if all of our first grade officials uh, and the likes of Beesh we're all full-time so that everyone was there training together the whole time every meeting we had people were a part of and contributing to rather than it ha information having to be yeah. you know trickled down or dispersed um, and I'd like the next tier of referees the next 10 to 12 uh, young people being accelerated into the system by being in that environment full-time and then at the other end um, provided money is no object, a greater transition and uh, process for people out of their full-time career, having invested in them for 10 to 15 years, hopefully, that that doesn't just walk out the door and is lost to the yeah. game. Um, I, I, I think there's enormous churn in refereeing in terms of like 
expertise or people with experience at the at the very elite level that we're not good at okay. hanging on to and and turning back into the system. Um, so I'd like to see either end of that scale sort of. Well, I think that's a really big one. Um, the even like we come into full-time refereeing in late 20s, early 30s, so you've already built up a career and stuff like that. So you go out of that to come into this system and you might be 15, mm. 20 years in this system and then you go out at 45 and you've got to start a new career coming off earning a decent sort of wage and then now you've got to um, sort of jump into the workforce and at an older age trying to earn the same money so I think that transitional stuff is massive to to what we do into having people come in and want to become full-time referees because we've seen in the past that we've had some guys that knock back opportunities because firstly the money wasn't right for them because they already had a career and they were already well invested in that career and then the thoughts mm. that well what do I do at the back end of it yeah interesting what you say as well Jerry about um, people like the likes of, of Beach and some people in our reserve grade system who um, aren't immersed in the full-time in uh, refereeing environment and I guess it's really similar to what clubs go through as well where they you know might have their top 30 but then they also yeah. then at night time would have some training sessions with their reserve grade side and then some of those players throughout the year based on injuries or form or you know rep availability and that sort of stuff come in and join their their squad um and that's really similar to how our system works as well um Beesh, any yeah. thoughts uh, i think the the concept that was brought in this year with the Monday press conferences, just to have that transparency into the refereeing department, I think the concept's a good idea because you get a bit of a mix of the positives and some of the things we've done wrong. But that only looks at our decisions on the weekend. So I think a lot of the negative press and social media that comes in at refereeing is because they don't see us as people. They see us as mm. individuals who have made a mistake or got a call right. So I think that transparency... You know, it could translate into perhaps a documentary within the referees department um, or something similar, not anything like keeping up with the Kardashians. You don't want to be, <laughs> you don't want something like oh, that. Wow. Oh, wow. Because, uh, yes. Prime uh, time viewing, that would yeah, be. Yeah, I, I imagine that would be pretty well, engaging. Well, well, people watch anything these days, so you yeah, never know. You, you, watch, never you know. watch some rubbish on TV. But, <laughs> but admittedly, you know, whether you love them or hate them, people are, you know, intrigued by the Kardashians and yeah. you know that's not the sort of protocol or standard we'd want for our kind of uh, department but just getting to know the individuals yeah. within the department seeing that we are people the we have families element. we have lives we're not out there to make mistakes we're out there to do our best and it's because we love the game as much as the players and the fans yeah um Benny I'll toss this one up to you leading into this ref uh, this game as as the head referee um do the referees, do the, the group of you um, lead up to grand final day any differently uh, this week compared to round whatever, round 20? Um, or is it just business as usual? I'll, I'll try and keep it as cl close as possible to business as usual, but uh, it is a little bit different. You know, we have the, the Dally M's, we've got this today, uh, we've got a luncheon on Friday. Uh, Plenty of free feeds, mate. Yeah, plenty of free feeds. <laughs> no, wonder you, no wonder you love the week. Yeah, always love a spare plate next to me. He's uh, <laughs> always praying for someone not to turn up next to me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, I try and keep it as normal. And, but the week, uh, yeah, we looked at the roster last night and it is a little bit different. Mm. But I uh, just want to make sure with, with the roles that we sort of have a run together as a team, you know, just practice some skills, transitions and et cetera. But, yeah, not, not too much different. Yeah. yeah. So you talk about... Um, 
keeping it as relatively similar. So where we we've spoken on the podcast before about where we do pre-game um, uh, like a run together or our like our bike session, almost like uh, a match prep. Right? Yep, um, and our day what we call our day three weights. And usually for a Sunday game, we'll do that on a on a Friday. And this week, you guys will be doing that on a Saturday. So you're going through the same. I guess motions and activities, but just the timings of things are slightly, slightly yeah, adjusted. Right. Yeah, and that, I think that's a like what what's been happening in the last month or two months has been working well. So there's no reason to, to change it unless it's you know forced upon you in, in commitments you know for, yeah. around the grand final. So yeah, that's the rationale for trying to keep it as uh, yeah. as normal as possible. Stick to what we know. Yep. Yep. Um, Jerry, I toss this one up to you. Yep. Is it true that we have constant chatter to us on the field from the bunker well, I'll, I'll answer that for <laughs> yeah, you I can answer no. that fairly <laughs> <laughs> um, and if so is this distracting um, the reason I wanted to toss that up is to well the simple answer is, is no but yep. I more want a bit of an explanation as to what do we hear from the bunker what is the chatter that you get as a especially as a regular um, head referee um, what is that chatter that you do deal with um, and to what extent do we get spoken to from the bunker? Yeah, no, look, it's it's very limited, actually. Yeah. I'm not sure how the misconception has sort of developed that there's this constant uh, feed into our, into our ears, but um, it's very limited the, the time you actually do hear from the bunker. It really is just in a review process stage. So when you, um, you've asked for a video review on a potential try... Uh, and in an instant of foul play where they believe it's at a reportable level where they'll, they'll come in. Um, most of the conversation on-field is led by the on-field team. Um, and like a team would talk after a try about how they feel the game's progressing, where they need to be... We, we do the, the same as a team of officials. Uh, we do have a match day coach who is in the stand um, and he's obviously listening to all of that. And if he feels our read of things is slightly askew or there's something else we need to uh, consider, then they'll come in and talk. But most of the time, in my experience, it's more as a confirmation of what you've um, seen and are talking about on field. So as far as being directed through a game and you need to penalise this and don't do that, and it just doesn't happen. Yeah. Um, and I think... Uh, with Beach is sort of saying before about there being some some advantage in a fly on the wall kind of thing. I think people would would really have a different perception if um, they were able to sort of hear how a game unfolds and and the way we actually do operate. Yeah, yeah we had a little bit of that last week yeah. on the podcast where we put a cli- um, the clips up of the sin bins from last round. Yeah, all four sin bins. So yeah. we put all four up yeah. with all the audio from from. Um, all the officials on field, and that was really well received by people who, who heard that podcast. Were saying, "Wow, we didn't understand that it was like that and not like this, and all the perception that we had that it was constantly coming from off the field." So, yeah, more, the more that we can promote how we do things and why we do things, I think people will understand that we do them pretty well. Like especially around that stuff, the communication stuff, and when we talk and how we talk. Um, yeah, the misconceptions are that it's 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 overbearing and too much. Where in fact we could probably, you know, at stages there's times where we could probably use a bit more. Mm. Um, Beach, I'm going to ask you this. Well, I'll ask everyone this. It's the same question that I asked Bucky earlier, but I'm just interested based on your um, past history of officiating. If you could officiate in another sport, what would it be? Um, 
Oh, I'd love to officiate in the Major League Baseball. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, doing the World Series there would be incredible. And, you know, the, the fan base over there for, the, you know, North American sports is just incredible. And to be part of, you know, a World Series in the in baseball would be just incredible, yeah. particularly if the Yankees were playing. <laughs> and you have a, a background in softball umpire? Yeah, yeah, previously. Yeah, I used to umpire um, quite a bit in the softball. Yeah. Um, Badge and I have spoken before about that we feel that our skill sets as, as sports officials um, can be quite transferable to other sports. Um, it might be a bit different if you were someone in a stationary sport like a, a baseball or a cricket trying to transfer into a um, movement-based sport like what, what we do. But in something like what we do where we already have the physical attributes as well as the, the mental side of and decision-making side of things, um, we've spoken a few times about um, you know the possibility of transferring to other sports. If you could pick any sport in the world, Benny um, and Jerry, do you have one in mind that you would like to do? I, I grew up on AFL, so and I actually watched that a fair bit. So I'd be interested in having to go at that. Yeah. Um, they do run a lot, uh, but yeah, I think they're about fourteen k's or so yeah, a game. Yeah, quite a lot. But it's probably because I enjoy that. Also, soccer. My my daughter's referee soccer, and yeah, you know, like you said about the transferring of, of skills. A lot of the stuff that they're learning at the moment, uh, you know, is stuff that I've learned. So yeah. I wouldn't mind doing that just so you can talk to each other about uh, and um, about their games. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I really haven't given it a lot of thought because I, I just grew up loving rugby league yeah. and so passionate about <laughs> rugby league that anything else sort of seemed um, like something less. Um, but I suppose if I was pushed to choose a, uh, to experience yeah. EPL soccer. Oh, just yeah, just cool. the the atmosphere and the the level that it is over there, how it's so ingrained in in everyone. Um, I think that'd be something really special to to experience, and some of the travel opportunities that would come with being in a European football league as well. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. What would yours be, Case? Uh, oh, start of my answer is very similar to Jerry's. Is that I just can't see myself in any other sport just because I love rugby league so much. But um, I would. I mean, I love the the NFL, and si similar to what you say about the, um, the the EPL, to be involved in some of those games and just how loud the crowds can be, um, and from a pure decision making point of view as well. So I think a lot of what they do um, of fact. is yeah more more matter mm. of fact and yeah. black and white um, to just make decision on on decision. Uh, I think I'd enjoy that. Yeah. What are you? I don't know. Um, I'd love to be a judge on the World Surf Tour. That'd be pretty cool, travel the world. Um, just sit on a beach all day on, with your shirt on. Sit on the beach watching people surf. That doesn't uh, count. Well, of course it does. If Bucky can be a steward, <laughs> yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that'd be pretty cool, but might be similar. I'd love to be out in the middle of Arrowhead Stadium um, officiating an NFL game, but because I know I wouldn't be able to go out there and play. So the NFL <laughs> would probably be pretty cool as well. Yeah. Short season as well. well <laughs> speaking of other sports, a question that we had was, um, someone wrote in asking that in Rugby Union, when they go to their version of the bunker to the TMO, um, the, the bu their uh, on-field and off-field officials talk to each other, seem to talk to each other a lot more, and they discuss the incident more than just the referral process. Um, do you think that's a good idea or not? What are the pros and cons of that sort of system compared to... That, that happens to in ours? other sports as well, where... You know, sometimes they have monitors on sidelines at like the NFL. I know yeah. they do it, and the the officials. Benny, you watch a bit of rugby well. union, eh? No. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, 
I do watch it here and there, but I watched five minutes the other day against. We <laughs> were just talking about this the other day. And, yeah, did my head in. So, uh, <laughs> no, someone else might want to answer that. Uh, well, I think to a certain extent that happens now in that when we send a decision up, we, uh, we communicate the decision we've made on field and why. Mm. Um, and then I, I actually think it's important that there is a there is a, a degree of separation that they then look at that independently mm. with 16 different available camera views, which even if we had a monitor on the sideline, we're only going to be able to look at yeah. one. And I think... Or that a would, small screen. Yeah, yeah. It, that would be quite unwieldy. So I think it's important that they then go, OK, they had that initial decision and then they can look at all available evidence. And you've got to remember that um, it's not one person making that decision. There's a there's a, a person with a football background also in a review position sitting alongside the senior review official communicating on that decision. As we're going through that process, if we're on field and we are watching and going, well, hang on, they haven't looked at um, that foot near yeah. the sideline or whatever element it may be, then we've got licence to step back in and go, hey, have you considered... Yeah, it's what we call staying in the process. Yeah, that, that's right. So I, I think... Um, you know, at the end of the day, it's people making a decision, so there'll always be some contention around stuff. You'll get decisions that people will argue, but I think the process is pretty good. Yeah. Um, Benny, one of the questions that we had was <laughs> it was about how much training do, do we do in a week? Is it two days a week? <laughs> and I already responded to the person saying it's much more, but we'll get you to uh, just give a quick rundown on what our training looks like throughout a week. Yeah, well, it's, it's uh, you know, we obviously do three sessions, or we aim for three sessions of uh, weights and a couple of run sessions, uh, off legs, you know, bikes, um, assault bikes and grinders and rollers and things like that, uh, some swims, a lot of rehab, you know, stretching and, and foam rolling. Um, and, yeah, probably that, you know, encompasses a lot of it but uh it just depends on which game you have and yeah we sort of have the rolling roster so uh depending on your game then you, yeah but generally um that's what we try and maintain throughout the season obviously pre-seasons a different beast <laughs> yeah. but, uh, someone yeah. said something in the office the other day i think it was 47 days or something till we start until we come back to pre-season <laughs> like in the something last like the last few weeks in addition to a game I think I've been doing 14 sessions a week yeah, yeah. that's what it works so, out yeah I think we're looking at that 14 to 16 sessions yeah. a week, a week yeah. yeah and yeah doesn't mean we're out running that many times but yeah yes. like Benny said between our swims yeah. the rehab stuff off on legs weights yeah on the bike the game prep stuff um it's quite full on which is why we're we're in that full-time environment just to give people an idea it's very similar to how a club is based all right, I've got one more question for everyone. Um, if you could referee any rugby league match that's ever happened in, in history, can you pick one? Is there one that... So, so take out any that you've already done y yourselves, any you know great games or occasions you might have, have been on. Um, any historical NRL game or rugby league games that you'd like to have been on? Anyone jump in if you've got an yeah. answer? Uh, well, 1908, Birchgrove Oval. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I knew yeah. it. I'm surprised he hasn't come dressed up as someone from <laughs> 1908. <laughs> West. So, yeah. That would have been pretty cool. I'd like to do one of the first, first premiership person, yeah. game. That, yeah. would, that would be an incredible thing, although you'd have no concept, I suppose, at that point of where it was going to grow yeah. to. Um, but probably after that, 1989, uh, just that's, another that's the one. Cl classic grand final um, yeah. that went the full distance and then some. Yeah, brilliant. Benny Beach, 
Badge? Anyone? I would, I would, first thing that came to my mind was 89. Yeah? First one. Same it's thing. just would have been... Yeah. I, I, nothing really stands out for me, but I suppose games where maybe it was one of the Origin games this year where the, the quality of the football was just amazing and they just played. Mm. And for me, that's if you could be out in the middle there and just be part of that just high-quality footy, um, yeah. that's, that's what we do, it, isn't it? Yeah, I think there was one of the Origin games last year. I think, Jerry, you might have been on. How long was it until there was a break? Eventually yeah, someone kicked the yeah, ball into touch. Yeah, it was like... I might be wrong, but I was going to say it was close to like 14 minutes yeah. or something. Yeah. Which well, I mean, last year then, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. 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 This year was a bit like that as well, the first game. Yeah. yeah. Beach? Um, oh, I can't think of it like Badger. I can't think of any of off the top of my head. Pro- possibly um, maybe the 2015 grand final. I was lucky enough to be standby for that, but mm. sitting there watching yeah, that, that battle from, the, cool. from right yeah. on the sideline was. You know, just to be three steps further out holding the flag would have been <laughs> awesome. But, you know, um, it was just such a great game. And, you know, it was a pleasure to be there and watch the boys go so well. So ah, Awesome. All right, well, guys, thanks again for, for coming in. We really do appreciate it. Um, generally, at the end of the podcast, we talk about what we're up to this weekend. <laughs> Obviously, we all know that you guys are going to be refereeing on Sunday. So I'll ask you, apart from football things, because there's a few, um, you know, there's the, the nines are on and a few other international test matches and, and whatnot, um, which we you know don't know who's doing what yet. But um, apart from football, is anyone up to anything? Don't give away exactly where you're staying or what you're doing. <laughs> is anyone doing anything exciting the, in the off-season? Uh, I'm going to go to Papua New Guinea oh, nice. in the off-season. So I'm pretty, very excited about that. So I'm going to take my young fella, Patrick, and um, we're just going to go trekking. Yeah, That's awesome. Just, uh, just, yeah, haven't made any bookings or accommodations, so we're going to rough it here and there. But, yeah, I'm really excited about that. So good luck finding Benny there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I plan to disappear on a horse for a few days, up to a week, with yeah. um, with my young bloke. And um, just hopefully I've had a bit of rain out west by then. But we just head off into the into the bush and out near the mountains somewhere and, and camp and, oh, awesome. um, yeah, look up at the stars and... Uh, Not read newspapers. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty cool. Beach up to anything exciting? No, no, just, um, yeah, new job at school, so teaching year two down at Robert Townsend oh, in southwest Sydney. So, yeah. That's, Rugby League Heartland. Yeah, that's right. So, yeah, it'll be back to school, start of term four. Uh, badge, I know you're up to some cool things in the off-season. Oh, why is that? Because I'm heading away with you. Yeah, heading to the States again and getting a couple of NFL games and a couple of college footy games. So. Uh, can't wait. I'm already in holiday mode. My mind's already in holiday mode. It's so hard to get through training days. And only 47, what'd you say? 47 days 47 till we're back in pre-season. Back into running around uh, in the heat. Terrific. All right, guys. Thanks again for that for joining us. Um, I'd like to encourage everyone, as usual, to uh, join our Facebook and Instagram pages. Facebook page is NRL Officiating and the Instagram handle is at NRL Officiating. So give us a follow to keep up to date with what's been happening in the world of rugby league officials. If you're interested in becoming a referee, please visit refrugbyleague.com. And for the final time in 2019, thank you for listening to this week's Refs Roundup. Bye.